So I think that diabetes definitely is a disability. Individuals who have a disability, it's just that one or more major life functions are altered or impacted by a physical or mental impairment. So in my opinion, diabetes definitely is classified as a disability because we are unable to make insulin. And so without medical intervention, we wouldn't be faring quite as well as we are today. Welcome to the Diabetes Psychologist Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Heyman, and I invite you to join us as we talk candidly about the emotional challenges of living with type 1 diabetes. We'll give you actionable strategies to help you face these challenges head on, reduce your stress, and most importantly, live a full life without letting diabetes get in the way. Hey there, a quick question for you. Does type 1 diabetes make you feel stuck? Do you feel like type 1 limits you and makes it harder to do the things that you want to do? If so, I have a free guide that can help you get unstuck and become more flexible in your life with type 1 diabetes. To download your free copy, go to www.thediabetespsychologist.com backslash get unstuck. That's thediabetespsychologist.com backslash get unstuck. And be sure to follow me on Instagram at the Diabetes Psychologist for access to even more exclusive content. Welcome to the Diabetes Psychologist podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Heyman. On this episode, we're talking about type 1 diabetes as a disability. This is a complicated topic, and people have lots of really different and all very valid opinions about it. We're going to explore the impact of thinking about type 1 diabetes as a disability on your mental health. And I think you may be surprised what we find. I certainly was. I'm not sure I'm totally on board with calling type 1 diabetes a disability, but this episode definitely opened my eyes to a new way of thinking about it. My guest today is Lauren Salko. Lauren's been living with type 1 diabetes since she was young, and she currently lives in Park City, Utah. She's a professional skier and she raced a ski cross for the U.S. national team. Her experience as a skier and traveling around the world with her diabetes alert dog has given her an interesting perspective on defining diabetes as a disability. I think you'll learn a lot from listening to Lauren's perspective. I certainly did. Here's my conversation with Lauren. Well, Lauren, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate your time. Thanks for having me. So let's start off by having you tell us a little bit about yourself and especially your diabetes story, just kind of so everyone gets to know you and understands, you know, where you're coming from and a little bit of a little bit about your background. Uh, I grew up in New York and I went to boarding school in Maine, actually, which is a little unique. And then I went to St. Anselm College in Manchester, New Hampshire, and I have a bachelor's of business from there. And I'm currently a student at the University of Calgary studying public health. And so my diabetes diagnosis is a little bit different than a lot of the ones that I've heard because I was diagnosed at a well visit, well child visit. So I went to the doctor, we hadn't noticed any symptoms and I peed in a cup and then they called and said, Hey, FYI, there's something in your urine. So my diabetes education was actually done outpatient instead of inpatient and I wasn't hospitalized. So I think that my diabetes diagnosis did kind of change the way that I felt about diabetes because there wasn't a big traumatic experience that occurred 
to sort of like make me a realize the gravity and b uh, it doesn't even stand out in my mind because it was just it wasn't a traumatic experience for me. So that's kind of where it comes from. We hear a lot about people having traumatic experiences with diabetes, and that that's really it's a foundational part of their diabetes story and how they think about diabetes. How does the opposite work for you? Yeah, so I feel like for me, obviously there have been pitfalls with diabetes throughout my life with it. I think that anybody that says that they haven't had any, you know, maybe just has a very optimistic outlook on life, but obviously I've had issues uh, with my diabetes and I've gone through phases where I feel more burnt out or phases where uh, I want to be more involved in the diabetes community or involved with my own diabetes. But I think that I've never really had a super strong negative feeling towards diabetes, probably because there wasn't a super traumatic experience uh, with that diagnosis. Did it make it any harder for you to start managing diabetes well because you weren't so sick when you were diagnosed? Yeah, I think a little bit. I also, uh, I think that I, I don't think that I really, like I grasped how serious diabetes can be right away because there definitely still was some background beta cell involvement. And so a lot of my mistakes with insulin dosing, dosing or carb counting or my family's mistakes with that weren't as apparent early on because I don't know how much people know about residual pancreatic function, but those mistakes, like I definitely had glucagon production still. There were definitely times when I had taken too much insulin and I didn't have these crazy low blood sugars. Like, and it was because my body was still working at least a little bit. And so that, I think that that kind of was part of it. I also didn't get involved in the diabetes community until later because there wasn't a need to find other people to talk with about it. And so it wasn't until I was an adult with diabetes that I really got involved in the diabetes community because it wasn't something that was sought out when I was diagnosed. And how old were you when you were diagnosed? I was pretty young. I don't remember it. And my parents have differing opinions on when it was. <laughs> so I was pretty young. I tried to track down the medical records, interestingly enough, a couple years ago. And uh, that hospital system no longer exists. And it's not electronic medical records. People don't realize it wasn't until 2010 in the States that medical records were required to be electronic. <laughs> so there's a lot of things just that are like missing uh, in terms of data there. But yeah, I was, I was pretty young. And I know that we're not talking about this specifically on the podcast, but I want to hear a little bit about your skiing. Yeah, so I ski, uh, I race ski cross for the United States, and I am currently ranked second in the U.S. Uh, with hopes of skiing World Cup. This year was supposed to be my first full season racing World Cup, but COVID kind of has that up in the air. So ski cross is a discipline of skiing. It's technically freestyle, but it really is a combination of alpine and freestyle skiing. So it's head-to-head racing, four people at a time. And then the top two to the bottom get to advance to the next round of heats. So it's over jumps and rollers and turns. The first Olympics that had ski cross was Vancouver. So it will be in Beijing. Hopefully I'll be there, but we won't know that for quite a while. Beijing, I think also is a little iffy right now because if Tokyo has to get pushed back another year, then Beijing may also get pushed back a year as well. 
Awesome. I think we have a whole other podcast episode on what it's like to be a yeah. Olympic skier with diabetes. Right. Yeah. Another day. But today we want to talk a little bit about how you're how you think about diabetes. I think you, you think about it a little differently in terms of it being a disability. And I want you to tell me a little, tell me your story about how you came to this way of thinking and what that way of thinking is. Yeah. So I think the first time I really started to think about it was the first time that I was introduced to the social model of disability. And there was a great TED talk by a young woman named Stella. I don't remember her last name. And she has spina bifida and she talks about disability and the social model of disability and how she felt like she was more impacted by the way society created barriers for her with her disability than by her disability herself. And that sort of led me down the rabbit hole of looking up disability. It also occurred to me, I have a diabetic alert dog. And when you have a service dog, a lot of times you have to become more of an advocate for yourself because you're going to be met with what are called access challenges, which is where somebody tells you that you and your service dog do not have the right to be where you have the right to be. And so you have to become a little bit more knowledgeable about disability law which in the U.S. is the Americans with Disabilities Act primarily, although we do also have Fair Housing Act and other things that protect people living with disabilities. And so I kind of, that was the first time I really saw diabetes listed as a disability. That being said, I did not have diabetes accommodations in school, but I did have academic accommodations for ADHD which is a learning disability. And so I was familiar with disability in that sense as well. And that's when I started to realize that a lot of my preconceived notions about disability were maybe not as accurate as I had thought they were or not as concrete as I had thought they were. I also went to a liberal arts school for university and my high school really encouraged critical thinking. And so I think that also helped the way that I started to think about things. And I think that my opinions on it are also always, you know, evolving. When I talk to other people and hear their, their opinions, I learn a lot more about my own. How do you think about diabetes as a disability? So I think that diabetes definitely is a disability. I think that when you talk about disability, people sometimes have a hard time differentiating between the legal definition of disability and people that might receive disability benefits, which are two completely different things. It's entirely, a lot of people have disabilities and don't receive disability benefits. Disability benefits are allocated to individuals who are unable to work or unable to work a full work week because of their disability. Whereas individuals who have a disability, it's just that one or more major life functions are altered or impacted by a physical or mental impairment. So in my opinion, diabetes definitely is classified as a disability because we are unable to make insulin. And so without medical intervention, we wouldn't be faring quite as well as we are today. So that's my opinion. And we can get into, if you want to, like why people, the arguments people use against classifying diabetes as a disability. Um, I'm curious because there's a, there's a couple of sides to this. So first, yeah. so, you're right, so you're right. People with diabetes don't make insulin, and and but also when you think when we think about 
the ability for people to do things in their life. So, I mean, using yourself, for example, you're an Olympic class skier. Yes. Uh, and, di- and diabetes haven't stopped you from doing that. And, and one thing that I talk about a lot is that we want to make sure that we don't let diabetes get in the way of you doing anything you want in your life. And that people with diabetes can do anything that they put their mind to and they want to. How does that, how do those two things play together? And how do you, how do you think about those in, in that way? Yeah. So you said a couple things that like, it all makes sense to me. I a hundred percent agree on all of that. But I think one of the things that stands out is that, I don't believe that someone's ability to do something means that they don't have a disability. And I think that we should reframe the way that we think about disability instead of defining it as somebody's inability to do something is to rephrase it in a way that they wouldn't be able to do it if XYZ weren't met. So for us, that would be uh, insulin injections or through a pump. And then I think we also have a tendency And I do this as well uh, to look at it through privilege. So I think that I have the privilege of being able to manage my diabetes in a really well-controlled way because I have access to technology and insulin, but it occurs to me that not everybody has that privilege. And so our definition of diabetes being a disability shouldn't be based on that. So for example, I was on a bus one time and there was a Spanish speaking family behind me and they saw me taking insulin with my pump. And the mom said in broken English, like, Oh, you have diabetes. And I was like, Oh yeah, me too. And, uh, she said, Oh, like my son has diabetes too. And I was like, Oh, that's so cool. You know? And I showed my pump to the son and we were talking. And then later I had a low blood sugar. And so I started to eat something and I think the mom noticed that my CGM was beeping and stuff like that. And they hadn't seen a CGM before. And she made a comment that really struck me when she said, my son has never had a low blood sugar. And I was like, what do you mean your son has never had a low blood sugar? And it occurred to me that they didn't have enough insulin for him to be having low blood sugars. So sometimes I think when we look at it, it's like, oh, well, we have the technology, we have what we need, we can do anything with diabetes. Like, yes, I do, but not everybody does. So what are the benefits from looking at diabetes in this way? Because talking about the benefits of looking at diabetes as not a disability. Yeah. You know, I can do anything with diabetes, diabetes not get in my way. And that's, I, I, I get what you're saying, but why, why should people start, why would you recommend that people start looking at it as a disability that can be managed and that can be dealt with and overcome. Yeah. So I think that it's not just important for people, for diabetics to think of it that way, but I think that it's important for the disability community at large because the more we're able to reframe the way that we think about disability and instead of associating negative thoughts with it or it having a negative connotation, the more we're able to realize the valuable and genuine things that disabled members of our community do for our community, right? So the more that we're able to kind of push past the fact that we, a lot of us see disability as a negative thing and we think about what disabled people can't do rather than what they can do, the more we will have a more welcoming society for disabled people. I hear a lot from people that, they feel one of the things that they hate the most about diabetes is that it makes them feel different from other people. It makes, it makes them stand out. It makes them, it makes them feel like they're not normal. 
And what you're saying is that that is in some ways a good thing because it, it, it shows that it's okay not to be normal. Yeah, I think it's really interesting. And I'm going to make a reference here that some people will probably hate, but TikTok is actually what made me realize that it's our differences that, you know, it's a, that it's okay not to be normal. And that really what is normal and who is normal, because there are all these little things that I experienced that I felt like I was the only person that experienced. And then somehow that TikTok algorithm finds someone that's experienced that same thing and makes a video about it. And you realize that you really weren't alone thinking that way, you know, like this is going to sound dark, but when you're driving and you think like, you don't actually, you're never actually going to do it and you never want to do it. But you think like, what would happen if I just like turn the wheel right now? Like what would happen? And I always thought that those were thoughts that like I shouldn't be having and that I should like repress and like they weren't normal thoughts. It turns out that a lot of people have had those thoughts. You know, it's not, I don't want to die. I don't want to crash my car, but it's just like an interesting thought. Like what would happen if I did that? Like what, you know, it's just, the way our brains work and that a lot of those things that we really felt made us different and we didn't like actually, you know, bring us together. In the- and that's a really empowering mindset. Yeah, I think so. I mean, there, I have, there are a lot of differences. For example, like I'm super pale and I used to hate that my brother got tan and I didn't get tan. And then, you know, it wasn't until I went to Asia when I realized that in other cultures, like, fair skin is really valued, right? So that everybody, everybody's different, everyone's unique. You know, growing up with ADHD, I personally struggled when I was younger because I was put on Adderall from a young age and I, part of it's on me, part of it's on my family, but I never had a conversation with them about why I was on Adderall. And it wasn't until high school when I asked to go off of it that my dad, my dad said, why do you want to go off it? And I said, well, because I don't like who I am when I'm on Adderall. And he said, why didn't you tell me? And I said, well, because you don't like who I am when I'm off of it. That's why you make me go on it. And he was like, whoa, 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 whoa. We love exactly who you are, but we don't like to see you struggle academically. So we thought that this was the best way to help you academically. And once we had that conversation, I realized, you know, they do, they do love me for who I am. And that it wasn't them trying to change who I was. It was them loving me and not wanting to see me struggle but I felt different because of that. And it, you know, there's a lot of people out there that have gone through that as well. How can looking at diabetes as a disability help someone's mental health? How could it benefit them in how they think about diabetes and how they relate to diabetes as a disability? Well, I think for me, it, it can mean giving myself a little bit more grace sometimes. So it can be challenging, as I'm sure everyone listening with diabetes knows, when maybe you miss a carb count or the other day, I forgot, I completely forgot to bolus for lunch. Like, how does that even happen? Like, I know to bolus for lunch. This is, I do this every day, all day. How on earth did I forget that? But I forgot to bolus for lunch and not just like any lunch, but gnocchi, like very carb heavy lunch. And I was so upset with myself. And then um, I think, I don't think it's just because I thought of diabetes as a disability, but it definitely uh, helps me to give myself a little more grace and realize that, you know, diabetes isn't easy. And I think it also may help us to, you know, give more grace to other people in our community. Because 
I think that there's a certain type of mindset that helps people when they're managing their own diabetes and not everybody has that mindset. (laughs) And that doesn't mean that they're a bad diabetic or that, you know, like there's something wrong with them that like I've talked with tons of people who they just things that my brain naturally picks up on patterns that my brain naturally picks up on their theirs doesn't work that way. And, you know, like, but yet they're amazing artists or something. And I am not an artist. I cannot draw. I cannot do any of that. But so it's interesting uh, to see how thinking of it as a disability can morph the way that you treat yourself and that you treat others. And I think that and I can see that working and thinking about mental health issues related to the diabetes, not, not thinking about diet or oh, thinking about di- diabetes as a disability, but also thinking about things like diabetes burnout or, yeah. um, you know, fear of hypoglycemia. Those also, I think taking it from that mindset puts a little bit of a different perspective on it. Yeah. I think it also can help when it comes to complications and things like that. You know, I was always told, that if I kept my A1C below six, that I would never have any diabetes complications. And yes, keeping your A1C low and your glycemic variability low, which is more important than A1C, but that's a whole nother conversation. It helps to reduce your risk of complications, but it does not erase it. There are a lot more factors when it comes to complications and there is so much stigma associated with those complications. And I've been guilty of it myself, you know, when I would first hear about someone that, you know, maybe was having trouble with their eyes or having trouble with their kidneys, my first thought used to be like, well, they must not have managed their diabetes well. And I think that that is a little bit of a coping mechanism because complications are not something anybody wants to think about happening to them. But if you're able to isolate a reason why it happened to someone else and why it can't happen to you, it can kind of help you mentally. But what's more important, I think, is coming to terms with the uncertainty and realizing that you're just going to do the best that you can and whatever's going to happen is going to happen and that there shouldn't be any shame associated with any of that, whether the person's A1C has been 5.0 for the last 30 years or whether they've had A1Cs that, you know, that are, you know, above 15, like they, it's not, there shouldn't be any shame there because the way that everybody manages their disease is different. And I think, in terms of how everybody interprets their disease, it's also different. So while I may not feel burnt out and I may not feel that diabetes is a huge hindrance in my life on most days, it's not for me to say how anybody else is going to feel about their own diabetes. And, you know, and that's regardless of their body chemistry or anything like that, because I think as we go in the future, we will learn that, different people's bodies work in different ways in terms of diabetes. And some people tend to have more like more or less glycemic variability naturally. There's some sort of buffer going on. And some people, it seems like I've seen people that have forgotten to bolus for pizza and their blood sugar went up to 200. I can tell you if I forget to bolus for a slice of pizza, my blood sugar is just going to say hi. I'm not even going to get a number, right? Just like everybody's diabetes is different. Everybody's feelings about their own diabetes are different and everybody's feelings about diabetes are valid. Your, your point of view says that it helps us to be kinder to ourselves and other people when things don't go right. If you yeah. look at disability, it, t- it takes the blame off of yourself and, and, and puts the blame on di- diabetes in some way, which is in some ways a very nice thing. 
Yeah. And I think it helps in terms of the relationship between people with type one diabetes and people with type two diabetes. I've seen firsthand how type two diabetes gets stigmatized by type one. And I've been guilty about it as well. You know, like I've been asked like, what's the difference between type one and type two. And I've definitely said not kind things about type two diabetes in an attempt to show the difference and to take blame away from myself. And I, you know, I shouldn't have done that. And I strive to be better at not doing that. But I think that whether someone lives with type two, type one, you know, gestational diabetes, you know, type three C diabetes, there's so many different ways that you can end up not producing insulin or not utilizing insulin properly in your body. I think that, uh, you know, kindness is really what's going to help everyone, especially if you realize on the type one side, a lot of the technology that we really enjoy was not born for type one because of type one diabetics. It was born because of type two diabetics, because there's a lot more of them. And there's a much larger market uh, in type two diabetes than type one diabetes. What are you doing right now to talk about this issue? And what can people do um, to support you in doing that? So I talk about it on my Instagram sometimes. I uh, write things for Beyond Type 1, and I speak at events around the U.S. and sometimes in Canada about my journey with diabetes, and then depending on the audience and what the event is, also disability and uh, yeah, other diabetes-related topics and mental health. I trend, tend to draw a lot of parallels between my life as a skier and my life as a person with type one, because they're actually fairly similar. And a lot of the mental pitfalls that we try to avoid as athletes are really mental pitfalls that we should really try to avoid as people and as diabetics. <laughs> and the last question of what I asked everyone on this podcast is what's the best piece of advice you've gotten about how to deal with the emotional aspects of diabetes? Uh, yeah. So the best piece of advice I've gotten is actually to try to separate emotions from diabetes as much as you can. So when you're checking your blood sugar, if you see a number that you're not expecting, keep in mind, I didn't say a bad blood sugar because there really aren't any bad blood sugars. There's just pieces of information that you can use in the future. So if you check your blood sugar and you get information that you were not expecting, it's not actually about the blood sugar. It's about what you do with that information going forward. So, you know, a blood sugar that's higher than what you wanted it to be is actually a really valuable tool because if we didn't make mistakes and if we didn't have unexpected outcomes, then we wouldn't actually learn anything for the future. Awesome. Well, Lauren, thank you so much for your time, Dan. This was really fascinating. And I, I think you, you shine the light on something that we, we, we don't think a lot about. So Yeah, for sure. It. Thank you for having me. I have to be honest, when I first started talking to Lauren and heard that she is advocating for talking about diabetes as a disability, I really had a hard time wrapping my head around that. And I, I really pushed back on that concept. It kind of goes against the way that I think about diabetes. And, you know, I think about diabetes and my goal for myself as a person with diabetes and for my patients is to be as empowering as possible and to make sure that we can do whatever we can to make sure that diabetes doesn't get in the way of life. And when I hear the word disability, the first thing that comes to mind is, is going to stop me from doing what I want to be doing. But after hearing more of Lauren's story and how she thinks about things, 
I realize that Lauren and I think about diabetes a lot in the same way, even though we may not use the same language. I'm a psychologist, so I look at diabetes always through the lens of mental health and how what we're doing and what we're not doing has an impact on mental health. And so I want to take some time today and look at this concept of disability and diabetes as a disability through the lens of mental health. And I'll look at it from both angles. You know, how can this benefit our mental health and how can and how can looking at diabetes as a disability be a barrier to our mental health? Because I think that it really falls on both sides of the coin. I think it can be both a benefit and a barrier. I like the way that Lauren defines what a disability is. She defines it from a place of empowerment. She defines it in a way that in order for me to thrive and be able to do the things that I want to do in my life, I I have to have a certain condition met. And for me and for people with diabetes, that means that we have to have insulin. There's no judgment wrapped up into that definition. There's no stigma wrapped up in the definition. All it's saying is in order for me to live and work and enjoy my life and to live my life, I have to have insulin. And without insulin, I can't do any of those things. To me, the honesty in that definition and the straightforwardness of that that definition normalizes the experience of having diabetes. It just, it defines it as what it is with nothing, nothing more, nothing less. So from that simple definition, I can agree that diabetes is a disability because without insulin, I wouldn't be able to be alive. But the fact that I have the tool that I need, insulin, to manage my diabetes doesn't mean that I don't have a disability. It means that I have the means to manage the disability well and not let it affect me. On that same note, it also recognizes that there's nothing wrong with being different, that being different is not doesn't have, does not have to be a negative thing, that being part of a community of people with diabetes, a part of a community of people who need insulin in order to live, that's it's okay. And it's the things that make us different that bring us together as a community of people with diabetes. We have, we have formed communities because we have this difference. I know that these communities are strong and they're valuable for many people. But it's hard to form those communities unless you have a reason to be part of it. Blame and shame are such big aspects of our mental health with, with diabetes. And looking at diabetes as a, as a disability can really help us to let go of that blame. Before I go too far into that, I want to talk about the difference between responsibility and blame because there are some important distinctions that we have to make between the two. You are not to blame that you got diabetes. You got diabetes because you were dealt a set of cards that had diabetes in the hand. However, because you were dealt that set of cards, you have a responsibility to take care of yourself. So just because you're not to blame doesn't mean that you don't have any responsibility here. But the responsibility is forward-looking and blame is backward-looking. But when we think about those times when we did everything right, we took our insulin, we exercised, we counted our carbs, we did everything we were supposed to do, and your blood sugars just didn't cooperate. They were out of range no matter what you do. That happens. And when we see diabetes as a disability, we can see, we can place the blame outside of ourselves. We can place the blame of this is happening because I have diabetes. And it's And diabetes is is to blame, not me and my behavior. Certainly, there may be things that I could have done better or or mistakes I made, or maybe I chose not to manage diabetes well. If that's the case, then I need to take responsibility for that and course correct. I can't be blamed that my blood sugars go high sometimes, but I can take responsibility to make sure that they come down. The same thing goes for complications. There's so much stigma around complications. 
And certainly some people who have complications didn't manage diabetes as well as they could have. But we also know that there's no exact linear relationship between your blood sugars and your and developing complications. There are some people who have high weight, high A1Cs and they're, they are not, their diabetes is not well managed and they don't have complications. And there are other people who have very well managed diabetes, but they develop complications. Looking at diabetes as a disability helps us to develop a sense of self-compassion for ourselves and to be kinder to ourselves about our diabetes management. Certainly, there are some things that we can do to influence our diabetes management and influence our blood sugars and our risk for developing complications, but there are also some things that we can't control. And of course, we have to talk about the mental health challenges of diabetes and how looking at diabetes through the lens of a disability can make the mental health challenges a little bit easier to cope with. We think about things like diabetes burnout and diabetes distress and anxiety around diabetes. And when we think about these things, there's often a stigma of people thinking, I should be able to handle this better. You know, there must be something wrong with me because I'm not coping with diabetes well and I'm experiencing burnout or distress. But these things are natural reactions to stress. These, you know, feeling burnt out is a normal part of living with diabetes because diabetes is stressful and you're going to be burnt out sometimes. And there's no way that you should be handling it, only the way that you are. And so when we look at diabetes through the lens of a disability, it helps us to be kinder to ourselves, especially when we're struggling mentally, because it gives you permission to think who wouldn't feel this way in my same position. Recognizing diabetes as a disability normalizes the challenges that come along with managing and living with diabetes. But we also have to look at the downsides to looking at diabetes as a disability, especially as they relate to our mental health. As I said at the beginning of this episode, I have a really big aversion to the word disability, and I would imagine that many of you do as well. And so I think while I agree with everything that Lauren says conceptually, I'm not sure if using the same language and using the language around disability is really necessary. But I have to wonder, is disability the right word? Not to explain the concept, but does the word disability just have too much stigma attached to it? And is using that term, even though we agree that the concepts that are embedded in that term should be advanced, does using that term have a negative impact on our mental health? And I think that the answer may be yes. The last thing that I want to do is to add an extra layer of burden to living with diabetes. And if using the word disability around diabetes adds to that burden, then I'm not sure it's the right word to use. So the question really is, is how do we incorporate the concepts that Lauren talked about, the empowerment, the normalization, recognizing that people with diabetes can live full lives, but they would not be able to do that if they didn't have access to insulin. How can we incorporate those concepts while at the same time using language that doesn't have the stigma and the baggage wrapped around it that the word disability does? I would love to hear any ideas that you have about how to do this. And on that note, I always love hearing from my listeners. Please get in touch with me and let me know what you think about this concept of thinking about diabetes through the lens of a disability. Does it work for you or does it not? And what impact does it have on your mental health? To get in touch, go to my website, thediabetespsychologist.com, or feel free to send me an email at mark at thediabetespsychologist.com. That does it for this episode of the Diabetes Psychologist podcast. If you like what you heard, I would really appreciate it if you would leave a five-star rating and write a review on iTunes. That really helps me spread the word about this podcast.
And finally, please be sure to tune in next week for a brand new episode of the Diabetes Psychologist Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. For more resources, you can visit www.thediabetespsychologist.com and be sure to sign up for the email list for access to exclusive content. I'm Dr. Mark Heyman, and tune in next time for the latest episode of the Diabetes Psychologist Podcast. Thank you.